Vincent Sabonis two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal! They can tie it with a three! Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Bulls podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And recording live inside Golden One Center after the Sacramento Kings lost to the championship favorites, Milwaukee Bucks, who came into this game 48 and 19. Sacramento was sitting at 40 and 28. Anybody watching on YouTube will notice there's not the typical overlay. I had some issues getting that set tonight on uh, the site that I typically make my graphic on was... Uh, not cutting it for me tonight, so apologies for the no overlay, but shout out to anybody that is watching in the YouTube chat um, live here, so I'll be taking any sort of questions throughout the process of this, but I'm going to start by just kind of focusing on this game specifically, and I think it's important to keep in mind, Sacramento came into this game 8-1 and one post-All-Star break. They were the hottest team in the league, and Milwaukee was right up there. This was Giannis Antetokounmpo's first game back with a right hand. Uh, I believe it was right hand soreness is what it was listed as. And it was his first game back in three games. He had missed th- the three games prior that Milwaukee had played. And Sacramento played well, man. In that first half, I thought that they played great basketball. It was one of the better first halves I feel like we've seen from Sacramento when you consider the opponent that they were up against they end that first half with a 62 to 53 lead some of the things that stood out to me were only holding Milwaukee to two free throws and we're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo here obviously who averages a ridiculous amount of attempts from the charity stripe Sacramento also forced nine turnovers and that led to nine points. They had 12. They won the fast break points in that first half, 12 to two. And uh, what's up, Skip and Tosh? You're hilarious. In the in the chat here, uh, Skip and Tosh, apparently he's the one I ran into in the media entrance, and he said he wouldn't call me by my nickname in public. So I appreciate you for that one. But that was a, that was a funny moment for sure. Um, but I thought that the free throws were crucial or limiting Milwaukee's free throws was pretty important in that first half. And also um, forcing turnovers. You know, I thought that Sacramento played a very physical game after that New York game when Sacramento did win, but they allowed 23 offensive rebounds. Coach Brown really lit into them. And a lot of that has to do with physicality. And then it was a great bounce back game against a team that is really good offensive rebounding team against Phoenix in Phoenix against the Suns. And then I thought they came out tonight and especially in that first half, this is one of, if not the most physical team in the league. De'Aaron Fox was talking about that in shoot around. And you also heard him say at shoot around just how physical this team is specifically drew holiday, but also obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brooke Lopez, who's probably right up there for defensive player of the year with Jaron Jackson. But this team is a phenomenal team. There is a very good reason that the Milwaukee Bucks are the current championship favorites. Um, I I think that is extremely well-deserved and warranted. And we're kind of at a point where Sacramento needs to be a part of these conversations. Not championship contention. I don't want to get ahead of myself. 
that I do think that that is not the case. Aaron Fox actually got asked at practice, "Are you? Do you view yourself as contenders?" And he just hesitated a little. I don't have the exact wording right in front of me, but it wasn't a yes. It wasn't a blunt yes. It was sort of a we have to see, and I think that's completely valid. But after tonight's performance, actually, okay, I'll, I'll look a little big picture a bit later at, in this. Uh, I'll, I'll go big picture a little bit later in the pod and, and focus more on this game right now. But again, that first half, I thought limiting free throws and tur- and forcing turnovers was big. Getting out in transition is very important for Sacramento in this game. They're one of the higher pace teams. Something Budenholzer are really highlighted in pregame. And also Milwaukee is the best defense in the league. So if you let them get a set half court defense, like I mentioned, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, good luck scoring. Sacramento still managed to do that in half court, especially in the second half. But if you can get stops, get turnovers, and get out in transition, that's probably your best bet. And I thought Sacramento did a really good job of that in the first half. It also helps that Milwaukee was 5 of 17 from beyond the arc. So there was that, and Sacramento was playing great offensively, by the way. If you didn't already know that Sacramento was legit on offense— This was a great test because it's the number one offense, best offense rating of all time, by the way, against the best defense in the league. And it was like, okay, are they going to be able to do it against a defense of this caliber? The answer was yes. They shot the hell out of the ball. And that helps specifically Kevin Perherter. Um, So I, I thought that that was very promising to just see this sort of offensive performance against the best defense in the league. Um, But it really was the defense that, let up in that second half. Coach Brown talked about how really a lot of it had to do with Chris Middleton and specifically that Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez pick and roll. So specifically it came down to Keegan Murray was the one guarding Chris Middleton in the start of that second half. And Keegan Murray got pulled really fast. I think he had a, a foul gave up a bucket and then I forget what else happened, but coach went to Kessler records pretty quick in that second half. It was less than two minutes and that's not typical rotation at all. I thought Keegan was struggling with Chris Middleton and I think Keegan's just struggled recently. I think when we talk about the Kings needing to respond to physicality, he's somebody that really stands out to me. Excuse me. In these last few games, Keegan's minutes have been more limited than you know, the 29 and a half that he's averaging on the year. In these last three games, you see 15 in this one, 20, or I'm sorry, in this game, he ended up with, sorry, sorting through my papers here. Keegan Murray did end up with 22 minutes. Last game against Phoenix, only 15, and then 25 in that game against New York. He did not close the game in any of those matchups. And again, I do not think this is anything long-term concerning for Keegan Murray. I think that there's an adjustment to physicality. I think that he needs to just continue to get acclimated to the NBA game. I don't think it should be expected for a rookie to come in and be a defensive stopper. Like they're out there putting him on Chris Middleton tonight, who we all saw what he's capable of. They're out there last game, putting him on Devin Booker. Like maybe there's a question of, are they putting him in tough scenarios? Like for sure they're tough scenarios, but is it unfair to expect him to do that? I don't think so. I think that 
it's good that they're giving him those challenges that he's able to go back and watch the tape and try to learn from those scenarios. But the reality is right now, like those are going to be tough matchups for him. And I think that's totally fine. So I just want to make it clear when I'm saying that Keegan's been struggling, I don't think it's anything long-term concerns. I think it's typical stuff for a rookie getting acclimated to the NBA and being asked to cover some really tough assignments. Um, That's just the reality of it. In the second half, that Middleton, Brooke Lopez pick and roll really struggled. They went to Kessler Edwards in place of Keegan Murray. They were able to maybe slow them down a bit, but also still did have some struggles there. Um, I got to talk to, and obviously Milwaukee did end up winning this game. And it was a close one down the stretch. Kevin Herter went ridiculous. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But just talking about the difference defensively that we saw in that first half compared to the second half, got to ask both Coach Brown and De- and De'Aaron Fox about that. We'll also get a quote later in this episode from DeMontis Sabonis on Kevin Herter. Um, but here is, we'll start with Coach Brown talking about the difference between that first and second half defense that he saw from his team. Yeah, Coach, outside of that willingness to take a hit, did anything else stand out to you that you, thought <laughs> you were doing well in that in that first half defensively that kept them off the line and allowed you guys to get turnovers and out on the other end? Yeah, I, I thought defensively our, our, our aggressiveness, especially on the ball, uh, our, our ability to shrink on the weak side and still get out the shooters, all that was there. You know, and, uh, and, you know, you like to see what you like to see that. And it just has to, we have to have some carryover. And we didn't have much of that carryover in the second. We had it in spurts, you know, and, um, but again, if they're scoring like that, we're not having a chance to get out and hurt them in transition as if they're, you know, missing shots like they did in the first half. kind of summarized what I had said, um, which obviously that's a lot of me taking that from these conversations in these post-game pressers, not trying to take credit or anything, obviously. Um, but you saw a lot of that. And we'll just get straight to De'Aaron Fox talking about that. I, I practically asked him the same question, so you get, can hear that here. Yeah, De'Aaron, I, I think Milwaukee had 20 free throw attempts in that second half compared to two in the first, and then uh, nine turnovers you guys forced in that first half, only four in the second half. What were the differences that stood out to you that that led to those? Yeah, I think they were. I mean, I think they were the they were the aggressor um, from the jump in the second half, and um, I think we were able to respond. But like I said, um, just getting down to it. I mean, 37 in the third quarter. Obviously, they have a lot of momentum going into the fourth, and um, I just don't think that we were able to pretty much just stop their momentum and, and try to take a commanding lead. And, uh, and they made us, they made us pay for it. I know you haven't looked at film yet, but did you like kind of maybe some of the intensity that you guys shown? Um, I'm not even talking about the altercation, but even on the defensive side, even though Giannis has a game like that, did you kind of, for the most part, like what you guys show? Yeah, I think we came out, I think we hit first in the game. Um, I think throughout the first half, I think we were just in control. I think we played, obviously we do what we do offensively and we, did that throughout the game. We scored 124 points, but um, I think in that first half, uh, we were winning that game because of what we were doing defensively. And um, I don't think we didn't do the same thing in the second half. And like I said, we just have to put together a full 48 minute game. That's going to be the challenge for this team when it comes to beating one of the better teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. I mean, there's very good reason this team is the odds on favorite to win the championship right now, but as expected, it's going to come down to the defense. They're sitting 25th in defense prior to tonight's game. I haven't looked after this one. Um, you know, probably didn't do themselves any favor when it comes to defensive rating when you're giving up the, 
what was it, 133 that they ended up giving up against this team. Um, and just to go over some of the differences, <clears throat> excuse me, in, the, in this first and second half, I mentioned Milwaukee only shooting two free throws in that first half. In the second half, they shot 20. That's six from Chris Middleton, seven from Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then a couple from some other guys as well. But, you know, it's not sustainable. Like, you can't stay on that pace of two free throws and a half for Milwaukee. You're not going to hold them specifically, Giannis Antetokounmpo, to four free throws in the whole game. That's not sustainable. But ideally, you would have kept it lower than 20, especially when that was something that you were doing well earlier Another thing that Coach Brown mentioned, um, and he'll explain more in a in a quote that I'll play here soon, that they were just willing to take the hit in the first half, right? You have to slide over early and take the charge. You've got to be there early and stop Giannis before he fully gets to the basket. I think Trey Lyles took a charge early in the game, and so did DeMontis Sabonis. He, Coach didn't feel like they were quite willing to do that in the second half. And I I saw that as a big difference. The other thing that stood out, I mentioned those nine turnovers that Sacramento forced in the first half. They only forced three in the second half. So another huge difference. The other standout to me is that Sacramento was still able to hit their shots, right? In the first half, 11 of 24. Second half, 10 of of 26. By the way, six of those came from Kevin Herter, which is absurd. Like I said, we'll get to that. But then on the other end, 5 of 17 from 3 for Milwaukee in that first half. In the second half, they go 10 of 16. Again, another one of those things where you knew that that three-point shooting from the first half would kind of even out. Milwaukee is a very good offensive team, best defense in the league, as I mentioned, but there are no slumps on offense at all. So you knew that eventually would come around, but I think Chris Middleton got a couple looks early in that third quarter that just probably allowed him to, once you, once you see the ball go in the basket, you know, you're, you're feeling good. And then he hit some tough ones later, but it's those first couple easy ones that allow somebody to get into a rhythm that Sacramento needed to not let happen in the first place. So I thought those were the big standout differences to me in that uh, first and second half. And and the next clip I want to play here is a quote from from Coach Brown. I, I thought Matt George had a of the Locked On podcast, Locked On Kings podcast, had a great question towards Coach here about uh, what sort of adjustments would you make if this was a series against this team and this was game one. So here is coach getting asked that by Matt George. I know you haven't seen the, uh, or watched the film yet, but if this were like game one of a playoff series, what kind of adjustments would you try to incorporate or make if you were to see a team like this again or have a similar night? Well, one thing is, you know, we, we have to handle Chris Middleton and Rook Lopez pick and roll, and we'd have to do a better job on Chris. Like Chris, I just thought was too comfortable to start the third and we can't let any of their guys play with comfort. They got to feel us the whole game. And, you know, he walked into a three. He uh, got to the rim a couple of times and it was just too easy for him and with no, with not much resistance. So, uh, that has to be the biggest adjustment is we got to play this thing for 48 minutes and they got to feel us for 48 minutes. And then, like I said, that, that, uh, pick and roll was tough to deal with. Uh, you know, Giannis is Giannis. He's, he's a load. We, <clears throat> we got to keep trying to help out and <clears throat> continue to try to force others to beat us. And, and, uh, if we do for, if somebody else beats you, then, you know, you kind of live with it. 
but you can't have Chris at the point of attack to start the third just uh, play as easy and free flowing as he did, and and then like I said, it took us a little bit of time to adjust to their uh, his and Brooks pick and roll game. And once we did, we started flowing again. And then we made a couple of mistakes down the stretch too. We uh, HB and and Foxy were involved in pick and rolls, and and our switches weren't good. And when they weren't good, every time we we paid the piper for it. You know, Chris hit a three uh, one time. Uh, uh, Drew Holiday slipped to the rim, and Kevin had to go in and tag, and and uh, I think it was Grayson Allen hit a three, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> so there's some things we can clean up that we, where we know we can be better. But you know, Mike Boonholzer does a heck of a job with that team. You know, you got to give him and his staff a lot of credit, and and uh, and their players. Well said from Mike Brown. I thought that was great insight. And like I said, a great question from Matt George of the Locked On Kings podcast. Um, you know, it's it's the Milwaukee Bucks, man. And apologize for any apologies for any background noises. They definitely get Golden One Center here ready for some other event. The Kings go on the road and I think are back for a week and uh, or eight days, something like that. So apologies for any little bit of background noise that you guys might hear right now. But yeah, I thought that the second half, they were able to keep up offensively. And I think the biggest thing here is like the defense, they they need to remain physical. They need to remain locked in. I thought that this game went a lot better than, I mean, as good as, I can't find much to complain about in this game. Not that I'm looking for things to complain about, but I thought that this game was a phenomenal showing from, Sacramento, you know, I, I think to put Carrie Underwood at Golden One Center tomorrow is what's given Tosh says. That's got to be what's going on here. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Sacramento played a phenomenal game, and what it comes down to is you're playing the best team in the league, and specifically a way that you were able to stay in it late. I mean, obviously this team's a ridiculously good offensive team, Sacramento Kings that is, and we just got to talk about Kevin Herter, man, because Kevin Herter has some ridiculous moments recently. It's like there's like three, four threes in quick succession that you see from Kevin. And you saw that again tonight, man, in this fourth quarter, let me just kind of try to set the table here at the end of the third quarter. Kevin Herter has 11 points on three of five from three. Right. And then in the fourth quarter, this man, had 17 points on five of six from three. He was ridiculous. And I thought that DeMontis Sabonis did a great job setting him up. And Brooke Lopez is always going to be in that drop. So you know that you're going to get a good shot if you're Kevin Herter. And that's exactly what was said or um, what ended up happening. So I thought it was a great showing from from Kevin in that fourth quarter, man, when he's on fire like that, it's like, okay, find ways to feed him the ball. And I will give so much credit to the rest of the guys on this team, because I think they have done a great job of recognizing when Kevin is hot, when Malik is hot, when any of these guys are on and then continue to feed them. So, um, Sabonis got asked about Kevin Herter, just going stupid in that fourth quarter, by the way, the audio clip of like Chris Watkins posts it a lot, um, of, 
Kevin of De'Aaron Fox in one of the run episodes, or actually, I think it was the mic'd up from the Brooklyn game, like being like that boy Kev going stupid. All I can think of when Kevin Herter is going off like that. But at this point, when he hits two man, it's like, oh shit, is the next one going to go in? And then this is just going to be one of those moments, and and we got to experience that tonight in Golden One Center. Seventeen in the fourth quarter is freaking ridiculous, man. Um, so here is uh, Demontis Sabonis talking about. Kevin just catching fire like that. Tomas, what did you see from from Kevin Herter in the fourth quarter, and and what's it like in in the two man game when he's cutting that hard off the ball to, to try to get those open looks? Uh, it's amazing, you know. Um, I feel like today he he was great, you know. Um, it's hard to play against a defense like that, you know, where they just put a guy on you and they just grab you and like, okay, try try and get the ball, you know. So um, he did a great job doing his work early, getting open. I just said, just stay confident, you know. Brooke is going to be down. You have all the time in the world to get your shot off, so just keep shooting. And that's exactly what happened. Again, Domas, I think, does a great job setting up these type of shooters. The way that Kevin plays off of Domas, of just kind of the... It, it, it's very Duncan Robinson and Bam at a bio to me. And obviously, they're different players. Don't get too worried that Kevin's going to have some Duncan Robinson fall off. Kevin is an established player, and Duncan was just kind of just coming into his own. But... The way that he's able to fake, give the ball back to Domas, keep it, keep players on their toes of which direction he's going to be going, go get the ball back, or maybe cut back door if teams are overplaying, like, and then shoot off movement. And Domas also does the craziest shit in dribble handoffs. He's not just doing normal dribble handoffs. There was one uh, tonight that I clipped and put up on Twitter that was like this behind the back, and it's so casual, but it's just like, it's beautiful basketball in that those guys two man game is phenomenal. The other thing I want to touch on specifically for tonight game. So I want to get to, to Kessler Edwards, but there was that little tussle. Uh, tussle is kind of a lame word, but yeah, just altercation at the end of that game between Trey Lyles and Giannis Antetokounmpo initially. And then also, escalated to being Trey Lyles and uh, Brooke Lopez. So game is over, right? And there's, I don't know, less than a minute left, right? Giannis is dribbling up the court and he's ahead of Trey Lyles, but kind of does the typical keeping your defender on your back. And he did it with Trey as, as Trey passed half court and Giannis was already ahead of him. Giannis cut him off. And just kind of started to slow down. Trey said in the locker room, I found out um, from from uh, James Ham that I guess he kind of held his hand. That it, according to Trey, Giannis did, and De'Aaron said, and so did Trey that if Giannis didn't start it, it never would have escalated, right? Or it never would. Nothing would have happened. Sure, Giannis Giannis started it. Giannis was being petty, right? But to be honest with you, Trey escalated it, All right? I have no issue with, like, Trey pushing Giannis after, right? That's warranted in my mind. It becomes when Brooke steps up and Trey pushes Brooke and kind of gets him in the neck, and then it becomes a whole thing, and, there, and there's a whole crowd, right? So I think that hearing De'Aaron say... You know, if, if Giannis didn't start it, nothing would have happened. And then 
this was Coach Brown's reaction as well that I'll, I'll throw in there. This is a, a phenomenal moment from Coach Brown, but here is Coach Brown's quote when asked about it. Mike, is there is there anything from your perspective, um, I don't know, good or, or anything you can glean about seeing your, your team like stand up for itself in a, a situation like what happened tonight at the end of that game? The, things are only going to get more intense, and, and I imagine that's a – that's a quality that, that you want in a, in a playoff team is, is some level of toughness and, and that physicality. 100%. You know, I, I don't know what happened, but so we, we ain't taking no shit from nobody. Trust me on that. And they all going to have each other's back in there. That don't mean we're going to go out there and start something. We're not. But we're going to stand up for ourselves and each other. We ain't taking no shit from nobody. I love it, Coach. I love it. I think that's exactly what they're supposed to go up there and say. Like I said, my opinion, I'm sure this won't be popular among the fan base. I think Trey escalated it. I think Giannis was being petty. I think Trey escalated it to a different level. They both got ejected. It'll be interesting to see what the league decides. And to be honest, I'm anticipating that Trey gets suspended for a game. Like I said, I think he escalated. I think when the sort of general throat area is what he's hitting, that there could be a suspension there. So we'll see. I also like that there is no, this team's not going to back down. You know, they need that sort of physicality, that fight in them. And and we saw that a bit tonight. Again, I thought Trey escalated. Giannis was being super petty, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening from there. By the way, on Giannis, who went stupid tonight and ended the game with 46, 12, and 4. Coach didn't really mind what he saw in the first half, apparently, more often than not. Coach said that, you know, sometimes maybe we could have thrown a double at him a little bit more, but overall that he felt like they did an okay job. And in my mind, I take that as like, Giannis isn't going to beat you by himself, which I'm not really sure is, I don't know how I feel about that, but I trust coach Brown's opinion a whole lot more than my own. So take that for what it's worth. He thought they did an okay job of defending Giannis in that first half, second half. uh, Maybe they could have doubled a bit more and that just, just the guys had to be there earlier and be willing to take charges. Right. So I, I think that's, Totally worth it. And Kevin Herter said in the locker room, I uh, saw this from, again, James Ham's tweet that he put up with that video, that, quote, 80 points in the second half is the first thing we talked about in the locker room from Kevin Herter. So it really, really is that second half defense that stands out and leads right into Kessler Edwards, who's who's come and kind of been the, he's the new KZ Paula, but ideally a capably, capable on offense KZ Paula. So I think that Kessler's intriguing. He got an opportunity tonight, and that meant that we did not see any Terrence Davis, and that also meant we saw less of Keegan Murray. But I think that Kessler Edwards obviously did a phenomenal job in that first half, or I'm sorry, in the game, last game that this team played in Phoenix against the Suns guarding Devin Booker. And Coach talked about pregame how he, Kessler went out there and did all the things that he's been screaming for his team to do. Rebounding, physicality, 
on ball pressure, like when you're going to go out and do all of that and still not, and still be able to not be ignored on offense. Like there, there's times teams are going to ignore you, right? But you got to be willing and able to hit that shot. Not every time, but enough, right? And at the end of that Phoenix game, Kessler missed a big shot late. And he also kind of messed up a transition play. But then he hit a huge three late in the game. After that, those two things happened in the fourth quarter. So remaining confident is important there. And he absolutely did that. And he talked about how much his teams instilled that remaining confidence in him. So I think Kessler's been solid. I think that we will see him in these next games that Sacramento plays on their road trip. But, you know, I I don't think that it's like he has a ton of leeway to play through things. I think some of it has to do with Keegan Murray being a little bit underwhelming on the defensive end. But I expect to see Kessler Edwards in Chicago and and probably Brooklyn. But that's kind of TBD. And we'll see. I'll be curious if you um, leave in the comments of the, the YouTube channel or you can at me on Twitter as well of how do you feel about Terrence Davis not playing in place of Kessler Edwards? Or how would you feel about Kessler Edwards? You know, like if Kessler's playing, he's taking minutes from someone. So where are you guys at with that? I'd be curious. Leave that in that YouTube comment section. Like I said, how do you feel about him taking minutes from TD? And how would you feel about him playing meaning lesser, less Keegan Murray minutes? So curious your guys' thoughts on that one. The other thing I want to talk about here before I get out of here. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. This team is really freaking good, man. And I knew that, right? Pretty early on that this team was good regular season good I don't know that I knew top four seed or anything but it was like okay this team's making the postseason now and and I said not long ago I think as early as right after the all-star break that the Kings probably should not be expected to get out of the first round I'm past that. They're eight and two post all-star break, which was a big emphasis, by the way, the team has talked about it, that the coaching staff was like, we need to come out post all-star break and not have any sort of lull because other teams are going to have lulls, keep our foot on the gas and it will pay off. And it absolutely has, but specifically some of these teams they played, man, 
the New York Knicks were playing phenomenal basketball. And Sacramento was able to beat them, albeit no Jalen Brunson that second half. But they were playing great without Jalen Brunson. The Phoenix Suns were playing phenomenal basketball. The Milwaukee Bucks were playing phenomenal basketball. Sacramento wasn't able to pull it out. But again, that is championship favorites right there for a damn good reason. Other teams that absolutely you could be seeing in the first round of the playoffs, right? Minnesota Timberwolves. Sacramento did lose that game, um, but I thought they put up a great fight. The New Orleans Pelicans, they beat pretty damn handily. The Clippers, they played a phenomenal game against, and De'Aaron Fox came up huge in that one, which is to be expected at this point, by the way. I mentioned that Kevin Herter had 17 in the fourth quarter, but what I didn't mention is that De'Aaron Fox had 13 in the fourth quarter, and nobody really bats an eye. It's just kind of casual for De'Aaron at this point. De'Aaron, Jerry Fox, West, by the way. Um, but the Kings have beat the Clippers a few times this year. I think getting that game after beating them 176-175 in that double overtime freaking game of the year, they came into this building, the Clippers, that is, and wanted to get that win. Sacramento took care of business, right? They played OKC twice beat that team twice prior to that they played in LA and beat them right I mentioned that double overtime game the game before that they beat Portland like these are all teams that you could be seeing in the first round or maybe second if you're talking the Clippers and I'm at the point man where I'm looking at the standings and it's like the Kings have been pretty impressive defensively in my mind these last few games. What they need to do is be able to lock up for 24, 30 minutes, right? I've been saying 20, but 20 minutes I think is what we saw tonight, and that's not going to cut it against the best team in the league, right? But if we're talking first, second round, I mean, ideally you you get more defensive production that but let's let's look walk through this right the kings are currently sitting in the three seed and let's erase the play in for the sake of this conversation right so currently right now they'd be playing the la clippers in the first round now i don't feel amazing about that but I would be disappointed if they didn't make it out the first round at this point. I think they've had the Clippers numbers. The Clippers are struggling. Um, shocker that throwing West, Russell Westbrook into that team has not gone great. And they just look a little disjointed. I think there's been an adjustment to all the new additions that they've added to their team. Um, and I will say, I thought that Westbrook was had a chance to be okay on that team. I didn't think they were going to be starting him and playing him 30 plus minutes every single night, though I will say. But I feel pretty good about that, right? And that would be that 3 6 matchup. So then the Kings would play, say they advance from the Clippers, which again is a big if. You are talking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I also think the Sacramento deserves to be favored in that series. And then you'd be playing the winner of the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Sacramento and Memphis is, would be a very competitive series. We don't know what's up with John Morant, um, and I don't off the top of my head know what's up with 
with Steven Adams either. I do know that Brandon Clark is out for the year with an ACL injury. But maybe I'm crazy. Memphis seems beatable. They do have some playoff experience, but like they've got a lot of shit going on right now, man. So that seems feasible to me. After that, I'm good on Denver Phoenix, man. I don't really want to. No, thanks. No, thanks. I will say like, I'm not really worried about Minnesota. I'm not worried about Dallas. I'm not worried about New Orleans. But I don't really want to see the teams with a whole lot of playoff experience. I know I just said the Clippers. I think they've been, they've just really been struggling recently, right? They're five and five in their last 10. They have won three in a row now. Um, So we'll still see where they're at going into the postseason. But the point is you want to be playing your best basketball going into the playoffs, right? And Sacramento is playing some of their best basketball all year right now. So as long as they can keep it up over these next 15 games, Western Conference playoffs is totally within reach, which is it's freaking insane that I get to sit here and say that right now after the year that we witnessed last season. Like, the turnaround has just been so fast for this team. Um, like I said, though, the teams that worry me, the Clippers could worry me. It depends how they're playing going into the postseason. Right now, meh. Golden State Warriors, it's a toss-up to me. I don't want to see the Warriors, maybe from an entertainment standpoint, but that team has four championships. You know, like, I... They would scare me. They have a lot of shortcomings, but they would scare me. And then I'm probably in the minority here. The Lakers scare me. The Lakers are 7-3 and three in their last 10. I don't know how in the world they managed to turn, what was it, Kendrick Nunn, um, Russell Westbrook, and there is somebody else I'm forgetting that ended up going to Orlando but they turned those guys and a first-round pick into Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, Mo Bamba, and Rui Hachimura. That team got a lot better, and like maybe I have a lot of PTSD from growing up as a Celtics fan. I don't want anything to do with LeBron James in the postseason. And I honestly think that anybody that does is kind of insane. That guy scares the shit out of me when it comes to a postseason series. Like, from a Sacramento perspective, and I, I think he should. I think that's well warranted. It's also Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has killed the Kings. So has D'Angelo Russell, by the way, in the past. So D'Lo's not even necessarily the standout to me, honestly, in that it like Malik Beasley to get some shooting and and D'Lo for shooting as well, but more so the spacing of those guys rather than the creation of D'Angelo Russell. And then Jared Vanderbilt, man, is like absolutely a guy that I think Sacramento should have would have really benefited from getting. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Phoenix, no thanks. I don't think Sacramento stands a great chance against Phoenix. I don't think they stand a great chance against Denver. Um, But that shouldn't really be a surprise. After that, they could beat anybody, man. They could lose to anybody too, to be honest. But they need to to be able to clean it up. Uh, Lux Soul in Twitch chat says, I think best first round matchup would probably be the Pelicans. Um, I agree, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how this all shakes out, right? Ideally, Sacramento can get back up to two 
which they just fell a game behind Memphis tonight with this loss, and Memphis must have won a game tonight as well, or maybe yesterday. Yeah, I don't have this directly in front of me. Memphis yesterday did beat the Dallas Mavericks, so um, there is that. I'm sorry, that's not yesterday. That's today. It's because, yeah, I got a little mixed up there, but they did beat the Dallas Mavericks today. Um, yeah, if, if Sacramento can move back up to two, I think it would be phenomenal and be pretty advantageous for their seeding. Um, but we're going to have to see how this goes, man. And last thing I want to mention is that shout out to the, the guys that were predicting 40 wins at the start of the season and, and after a summer league game. And they were courtside at the game tonight. Credit to Luke Lauks and the rest of the coaching staff, by the way. And they're uh, sitting there. One of them is wearing his custom, quote-unquote, Keegan Murray jersey. Jersey, quote-unquote. So that was phenomenal to have those guys there. But screw 40. Like, there might be 50 wins for this Kings team, which is insane. But they're at 40 and 26 right now. Is that right? I swear that's right. 40 and 27 after tonight. They have to go 9 and 6 in their final 15 games to get to 50 wins. Prior to they're on pace for 49. It's very within reach. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive and there's every reason to think that what they've been doing is sustainable. So, phenomenal game from Sacramento. They're about to go on the road. By the way, a four-game road trip against Chicago, and then a second out of a back-to-back against Brooklyn. Um, you're right. I do mean ten and five. Um, I do mean ten and five. Yes. Sorry, I did misspeak there. They would need to go ten and five in those final games rather than nine and six, but that's within reach. So. We're going to have to see. But this road trip is Chicago, and then the second night of a back-to-back is going to be in Brooklyn, and then they play in Washington with a day in between, and then a day break, and then they are in Utah before they come back here and play the Boston Celtics. So it'll be an intriguing four-game road trip. It's reasonable that this team goes 4-0 on this trip. Brooklyn's been playing well. We'll have to see how it goes. These aren't teams, these Eastern Conference teams, you don't see too often as Sacramento. But it will definitely be a interesting trip for them. And I think that they should be favored in most of these matchups. And then it'll be an interesting return back home. So thanks to everybody for, for listening. Um, appreciate everybody that hopped in the YouTube chat. Again, no apologies for no typical overlay today. Just had uh, an issue on that site that typically... I am making those graphics on, but appreciate all you guys hopping in here. And I guess very last thing I'll say is um, I know it's been a while since I've uploaded one of these. Uh, had a lot of personal shit going on that I am uh, not going to get too into. So appreciate everybody that's uh, still kind of stuck around. And I will, uh, yeah, expect more of these. So apologies for the delay that has been going on but i appreciate everybody that hopped in here um yeah
you'll hear from me soon, guys. So definitely take a look at the Kings Herald to support independent Kings coverage and take a look at their Patreon to do that. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from me again in the next couple days.